as a bastard orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman, dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean by providence, impoverished and squalor, grow up to be a hero and a scholar. <laughs> the orphan's name is Alexander. The musical is Hamilton. Alexis, you disgust me. So you disgust me? <laughs> And you're listening to a very special episode of Lit Society. Let's give And this is Kari. And you're listening to Lit Society, a show about mm-hmm. books and drama. But today, we're talking <laughs> about Hamilton. <laughs> we're geeking out. <laughs> yeah, big time. Yeah, so this is the book that started the book club, right? It, oh, it is. I forgot about that. I don't that. think this podcast would exist without Hamilton. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I did not realize that, but it is. <laughs> So we started an actual book club before this podcast and our first book, um, actual real life book club, because you were going to see the musical. So you wanted to read Ron Chernow's Alexander Hamilton biography. Right. right. So we gathered some friends just Mm -hmm. as foolish as us who had a million years to read a book. That book was stupid thick. I think we quit at like the 10th chapter. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not (laughs) why we quit. Oh, the real reason we quit is because our schedules weren't meshing. That's in all sure, honesty. Sure, sure. We, we had say several that. meetings. It's the truth. It's well, the did truth. we all finish the book separately? I know um, I didn't. <laughs> you know, I always go back and listen to it every once in a while. Okay. Oh, you do the audiobook? Yeah. I'm not going to be think... able to read them pages, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's really hard to read. Yeah. It's, for me, it's a lot easier to take in this story in an auto, audio format. But I do think where we ended off was cool and you said this too because that's where the musical picks up absolutely that's like the perfect timing so we have all that background that it just kind of begins with and the actual intro song kind of discusses we yeah. read that we know that yeah. story and i'll go over points from that part of his life in our deep dive okay well that sounds good should we keep it moving then sure sure yeah <laughs> let's get into it i can't wait okay so let me just <laughs> give you some context and tell you a little bit about lin manuel okay okay cool thank you because i don't really think i know anything about him Oh, really? Not is, really, no. Is um, Hamilton your first introduction to him? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't see the Heights. In the Heights, yeah. In the okay. Heights, I've never seen that. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is the son of Puerto Rican immigrants. <laughs> he was born <laughs> in New York City and he grew up in Washington Heights. He credits Les Mis, Les Miserables, as the first show he saw on Broadway. His first Broadway musical was in the Heights. Are you mm-hmm. a musicals person? Are yes. you like really into? Okay, yeah, me too. Very into musicals. My first musical, if I could just say, um, 
was when I was a, a young girl and I saw uh, Dream Girls at a, a high That's school. That's a great one to mm-hmm. start with. Okay. Yeah, my aunt took me to see that. So I fell in love with musicals after that. I think anyway. my first was probably Phantom on um Phantom on Broadway. of the Opera? Really? And I wore a ball gown. Because <laughs> hey, but... you know when folks ain't never been nowhere, you know, we dress nope. up. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. You're supposed to come dress for the theater. It's okay. I was 13. <laughs> You're supposed to come no dress for the theater. No one could sit next to me. It was so much dress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's out of respect for the, um, you know, the performers. We appreciate the work that you did. So I'm going to dress accordingly. For sure. Yeah. And so I, I think you and your mama convinced me to go to New York by myself. I used to work for an airline to yeah. see... A movie about uh, from Elton John. I mean, it a musical me. from Elton. It was me. It was me. I think your mama had something to do with it too. She What's the name see of it? it. Aida. Talk- Man, that was the wackest no, musical I've ever seen no, in my life. No, y'all, if y'all no. seen Aida, please write in, DM us. I, I know someone else. No, they was in Egyptian no. costumes doing the Running Man. That was crazy, <laughs> and they was all in like Pharaoh costumes. How many Pharaohs was doing the Running Man Elton while Aida was John alive? That was put crazy. a modern twist. Wow, on a play, and it they was took great. White Savior to the next level. It they was boop, a love story, and Ooh, I loved it. it. I mean, <laughs> okay. you was doing too much. It's, you know how Kari always digs deep into stuff and trying to find okay. the meaning and everything. All right, it, it had one no meaning. You're right. You're right. <laughs> that was crazy. I was so disappointed in Elton. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> that was one of Elton's great works. Okay, okay. Yeah. Anyway, let's the move Lion on. King is right there. Okay, <laughs> I, I don't think Lion King was ready yet. Um, okay. Anyway, before Lin Manuel made it big, big, he used to write political jingles. Dig that. Mm -hmm. Okay, Um, where were those aired? Where would you hear a political jingle? So, like his commercials? I think so. Okay. Political jingles. Okay, (laughs) anyway, um, he also co wrote the musical adaptation of Bring It On. Okay, that sounds fun, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'd that's still that. on stage now. I think that's still, well, I mean, not well, now. Well, nothing's on stage now. Boo, right. boo. But I would right. like to see that. Right. I can imagine the acrobatics are amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, after reading Ron Chernow's biography of Alexander Hamilton while he was on vacation, he said he saw Hamilton's relentlessness, brilliance, linguistic dexterity, and self-destructive stubbornness through his own idiosyncratic lens. He felt like it was a hip-hop story, an immigrant story. Now, that's um, mentioned in The New Yorker, an article Mm -hmm. from 2015 about um, Hamilton. Um, He said the story reminded him of his father. Hamilton also said, excuse me, Miranda (laughs) Lenwell. And I'm going, "Mm mm-hmm, what did Hamilton say in The New Yorker? Okay, <laughs> Lynn Manuel Miranda <laughs> said that Hamilton reminded him of Tupac Shakur. He said Shakur was always extremely undiplomatic, publicly calling out rappers he hated. Miranda recognized a similar um, rhetorical talent in Hamilton and a similar fatal failure to know when enough was enough. I actually love that uh, yeah. comparison. That was very interesting. Yeah. Um, he started writing Hamilton in 2009. He wrote a rap about Hamilton that he would later perform at the White House's um, Evening of Poetry, Music and the Spoken Word. We he talked worked- about that in our Becoming episode. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I couldn't remember when we talked about it, but I do remember talking about it. Mm-hmm. 
He worked on the songs Alexander Hamilton and My Shot for an entire year. He was told that this idea that he had would never work, but he never let the opinions of others discourage him. Hamilton debuted at the Public Theater in 2015 and went to Broadway months later. When is he composing this music? Because I looked up the credits and it lists him as the creator of the work. So it sounds like he's a composer also. Yes, he is a composer. Well, you said he was um, creating jingles. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. One of the daring things about this musical is that it uses a diverse cast, um, even though the real life characters were white. And then, of course, the rap portion of it, it just makes it really um, a bold uh, musical. Mm -hmm. The musical earned him a Tony a Pulitzer Prize for drama and a Kennedy Center honor. He's just an O away from earning the impressive EGOT. That's the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. The Oscar he needs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Maybe yep. he tried that with the uh, Mary Poppins movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe. Oh, maybe. But that didn't again. go nowhere, right? Talent. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in 2018, the show made a record breaking four million in one weekend. This show is mad popular. And then Mm -hmm. in 2016, the Hamilton mixtape was released and it debuted at number one on the Billboard I remember that's all you played for like a year and a half. No, no. Listen to me. You remember when, um, so we was in the car. We went to the library. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Okay. Remember? Yes. You took me to, I think I went to go pick it up and then it was the wrong thing. You asked me to go to the library five (laughs) hours away. Because this was the only library that had Hamilton on book, on audio, and you cheap. No, I did it because I'm a great friend. I know, the book. And then you went to pick it up, and it was the (laughs) mixtape. And it was the mixtape, and I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. So I didn't even listen to it. Yeah, you didn't want to spoil the story I didn't want to spoil it. I wanted to listen to the whole, hear the whole book first, know the whole book, (laughs) and then do it. I don't know. Whatever. It's a thing I have, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right. So, did did you learn anything new? Do you have anything to add about um I Sir honestly Lin-Manuel? didn't do any research because we're doing this special episode because we don't have a real episode because you're making me read Tolstoy. <laughs> so, uh, that and the Bible is all I'm reading these days. <laughs> Anna Karenina and the Gospels. So, uh, no, I didn't look up anything on Lenny, but I'm That's- glad you're bringing it. That's okay. That's okay. So why (laughs) don't we jump into a brief synopsis and it's going to be brief. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And then, then we can jump into a deep dive or yeah, we'll get started like that. All right, readers, are you ready for some trivia? In my shot, what does Hamilton say in parentheses? Orphaned as a young boy with odds against him. Alexander Hamilton uses his top-notch brain and skill with the quill to become one of the founding fathers of the United States. Founding fathers without a father. Ah, founding fathers <laughs> without a father. That's what I forgot. Anyway, so 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 what did you think the first time you saw? It? I mean, did you see it more than once? Yeah, so the um, company I worked for took out an ad. We created an ad for Playbill. And so Playbill was kind enough to give me two tickets to see it. So the first and only time I've seen it was here in Chicago. I didn't really know anything about it. I just knew Michelle called it like one of the greatest works of art. Michelle Obama wearing a first name. Base. Okay, okay, <laughs> and I was please, like, please. if Shelly like it, let me try it out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, girl, I was, 
yeah, that was it. And um, what did I think after I saw it? You want me to go there? Yeah, yeah. I loved it. I was laughing and crying buckets and buckets and buckets. Aww. And I just I just loved it from beginning to end. I okay. loved it. What about you? What did you think the first time you saw it? Which I believe was in the West End. Because you <laughs> This is an American musical, but, you know, Alexis got to overdo it. So she went to London. Go ahead. Listen. I'm going to let you finish your story. <laughs> Listen. You know, it was just tough getting tickets here. I was introduced to it. <laughs> Sometimes you have to go to London, you guys, because it's just too difficult to get tickets in Chicago. <laughs> it wasn't even in Chicago yet. Wait, okay, whatever. It was. <laughs> yeah, it was. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So my coworker, she had gone like early on and saw it just and like she came back raving about it she went one um that's when tickets were really hard to get and somehow she got them because i remember my um boss was like how did you get tickets but she, <laughs> she got tickets she got tickets she got it like that she got tickets <laughs> saw the show she came back couldn't stop talking about it she absolutely loved it and i was like oh something to look into i love plays and musicals so she told mm-hmm. me about it and like i said it's hard to come by so you know i happen to be going to um england so i said let's get For a tea. ticket <laughs> right might as well pick up a ticket to see hamilton okay. might as well might as well i love it <laughs> and i absolutely loved it my daughter kept trying to convince me to listen to the music and i just wasn't ready i said i need to hear see the whole show first before oh, i take okay. on the music so she had been you listening know, same to the music. with me I love mm-hmm. that because I didn't hear the music. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah, I love that. Yep, yep, yep. And so um, when I saw it, absolutely fell in love. Granted, there's some great performers in the original cast, but I was just blown away by the um, the cast in the um, London cast. London, yeah. yeah, it was great. And I would love to see it again on stage. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that was that. Well, you can Saturday. Yeah. A couple days from now. All right, that question again. In my shot, what does Hamilton say in parentheses? Answer, enter me. (laughs) Enter me, he says in parentheses. You got it. Let's get into it. So you ready to take that deep dive, sis? Sure, yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's go. So um, like I said before, I'm just going to do a deep dive into the first, let's say, three chapters of Hamilton. Um, Because this isn't covered in detail throughout the musical. It is touched on in the first song. And we'll, uh, yeah, we'll throw some notes to that also. So anyway, so the prologue starts um, in Eliza Hamilton's home. Eliza is Hamilton's wife. Um, He is deceased now. She is in her 90s. Um, She spent the majority of her long life trying to bring justice to the name of her dear, dear Hamilton. This woman is still madly in love with her deceased husband, although most of her life has been spent without him, I think. Um, at this point, yep. mm-hmm. sometimes she'll have people over and they'll catch her in the back instead of in the front with the guests. And she'll be playing a game by herself and closing her eyes, sighing, thinking it's been too long. I want to see my dear Hamilton, not mm-hmm. thinking she'd say this. Mm-hmm. OK, um, he cheated on her, but she still loved that man very, very much. She yeah. interviewed soldiers that fought with him in the war, dissected the words of both his friends and enemies, hunted for and gathered papers that he wrote in his lifetime. Her goal before she died was to see one of her sons bring to fruition a proper biography for this man. Because a lot of the founding fathers have had monuments built to them. I mean, it's hard to remember what Hamilton's reputation was before Lynn made it a thing 
But it, there it was even talk good. of removing him from the ten dollar bill. Yeah, <laughs> okay? it wasn't a good reputation. He wasn't that at popular. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a good yeah, reputation. Yeah, and a lot at of all. his infamous right, a lot of the infamy around his history, his lifetime were talked about more than what he did for the country. So she wanted a, a proper biography for her husband, her deceased husband, a man that contributed so much to this nation. Hamilton was both a thinker and a doer. He was pragmatic and he could outline systems and organizations in his mind that still exist in this country today. Impressive. Things like banks, trade, Impressive. the stock market, and even the National Guard were in, invented in Hamilton's brain. <laughs> Right. So unfortunately, Eliza died before the proper biography was written, but it did eventually um, it was eventually created and published. It's believed that no man who wasn't president ever contributed more to the United States than did Hamilton. And he was like a prophet of the capitalist revolution in America because an agrarian slave nation belonged to the ideals of Jefferson and men like him. At this time, a lot of people thought they could base the future of the U.S. economy on slave labor and agriculture. But our world today is from Hamilton. He was the messenger from the future that we now inhabit. And that's a line from the book. Um, There are a lot of standalone great lines in that book. Mm -hmm. There's got to be because the book is 3000 pages. It's a lot of pages, folks. It's a lot. (laughs) So Hamilton claimed uh, Nevis in the British West Indies as his birthplace. And white gold was like all the rage when he was growing up. And that's sugar. So England had once even considered trading all of Canada for the island of Guadalupe with France because of sugar. In this atmosphere, slavery was indispensable and the white population were mostly vagrants shipped in from England to work as indentured servants or overseers. So the population was like slaves and sketch. Um, And they lived in like it was weird because they lived in this like paradisaic backdrop because the island is beautiful. A plant disease, however, spread through the island, causing a mass exodus. And Hamilton's grandmother and mother moved to St. Croix. Notice how his grandfather didn't go. So his grandmother wasn't too happy in her marriage, but she loved her baby. And so she took that girl to St. Croix. Alexander's mother, the baby in that story, her name is Rachel. And at 16, she was pushed into an unhappy marriage with what seemed to be a foolish man who Hamilton referred to as Levine. Levine. I don't remember. Um, They had one legitimate child together, Rachel and this man. When she abandoned the marriage, her husband had her imprisoned by calling into question her virtue. And she spent several months in a small, dank cell um, and is likely the only woman ever to be imprisoned here because of adultery. She shared the prison with tortured slaves and drunk whites. She must have, you know, been plagued with loneliness and fear, uh, lack sleep at night. When she was free, she did not return to her husband as he had expected. Remember, we say he was foolish, Um, but she fled the island completely, abandoning both her husband and her child, her son. Her husband really thought that that was going to teach her a lesson, that time in jail. And then she would just automatically come back, be the wife that she's supposed to be, according to the standards of the time. And she was like, uh, pass. Yeah, forget all this. Also keep the baby. And, you know, <laughs> Hamilton probably like internalized all of this and saw in his mother uh, the fact that you can't bully nations into servitude, right? Mm-hmm. Or subservience. Um, otherwise, they'll just want to be free, just like his mother wanted to be free. So she returned to Neve. Nevis? Yeah. Nevis. Nevis? Okay. I believe. Anyway, it doomed Hamilton 
to the life of an illegitimate child, which was, you know, a big disadvantage at this time. Hamilton's grandmother had been in an unhappy marriage and fled. And his mother, too, had been in an unhappy marriage and fled her husband. When it came time for Hamilton to choose his bride way, way, way down the line, he took extra special care, likely with these family members in mind. Now, his daddy, James Hamilton, he was from like a semi-noble family. Like, who can I think of? Like, you know him, but, you know, I don't know, the Kardashians, you know, they're not in the White House, but they're like noble kind of. So James Hamilton, like, came from the Kardashians and he was um, he was the boy because all the um, siblings were like successful in business and he just wasn't. And every venture he had would eventually fail. That was harsh on the boy. I'm sorry. Uh I'm sorry. I take that back. But that was how James Hamilton was. Um, So he was groomed by his older brother, John, to be a businessman. It seems James was like the black sheep, you know, doomed for mediocrity, not very successful. And maybe he was even a little lazy. His older brother, John, wanted to see him become something. Um, But, you know, James, no matter how hard he tried, seemed to just fail repeatedly. In the end, Hamilton spoke of his father, not with scorn, um, you know, with anger. And um, what am I trying to say? He didn't put him down, but he but he spoke of him with pity. Hamilton inherited his father's amiable nature. People like James, but Hamilton rejected his laziness by being an exceptionally hard worker, almost to a fault. By the time Rachel met James, both had similar drawbacks and disappointments in their lives. They were both likely shunned by their family and by upper class, Um, you know, their place in society they could never have because of the decisions they made or the things that have happened to them. And so they likely bonded over that. Um, All of this, no doubt, birthed in their son, Alexander, a super sensitivity about class and social hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Their 15 year marriage was a common law union. They were never officially married. And this arrangement likely allowed Hamilton to daydream that he was not merely a West Indian outcast, but a Scottish aristocrat in disguise because he got a great imagination. Yeah. Clearly. His (laughs) His works prove it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So his upbringing exposed him to many um, blacks, Jews, um, French speaking relatives who I think were Huguenots, the like um, Protestant French. Um, And no doubt that's why he was able to speak French so clearly, even as Jefferson and others like him had struggled for years to master the language in Paris. Um, And then being around um, Jewish people and black slaves instilled in him a like reverence for Jews and an abolitionist spirit. Periodically on the island, cutthroats would come ashore for duels. Like, hey, I'm here. I'm on the island. I'm going to kill somebody. I don't know why. (laughs) But they would do this to like pass the time. Um, A lot of whites on the island, though, did see themselves as pseudo noblemen. And no doubt these duels helped them to feed this like romanticized way that they saw themselves and their honor, which was really just a disguise for the guilt they felt being involved in the slave trade. Just like um, Americans in the South of, um, of the United States. So, but Hamilton seemed to develop this fascination with duels, save that it comes up later. He also would have passed auction blocks um, often, and the mortality rate for slaves under the hot Caribbean sun was astonishing. People were dropping dead at crazy numbers. Um, and it, another reason they were dying is because if a white man killed a black man, he could never be tried for his life. However, if a black man slapped a white man, he could get his hand cut off. And if he drew blood, he could be killed. Good grief. Ugh. 
Yeah. So from an early age, again, Hamilton came to detest this cruel, sadistic system. Rachel, his mom, her first husband decided that he wanted to remarry. And so he proclaimed her a whore. By doing so, he ensured that their one legitimate son would receive all of his inheritance, which I think he got from her. I think he, because of the way it was set up. Yeah. Because yeah. she was an heir, heiress. Yeah. And when she married him, he like got her money. Right. Yeah. So this, um, you know, scorned ex-husband feels like, well, our legitimate son should get everything you got. And so, but he also ostracized her two children, Hamilton yes. and his brother. Yep. Yeah. They didn't get nothing. Mm-mm. Um, so the first husband and Rachel and James lived on two separate islands, remember, because um, the first husband is still in um, St. Croix. But eventually James took a job back in St. Croix and moved the family back to the island only a few blocks away from the fort that served as a prison for Rachel. Imagine that. So yeah. she's got her two boys and her kind of husband and they're back to where they started only a few blocks from the jail. So back on St. Croix, she could no longer pretend to be Mrs. Hamilton, right? Because everyone knew her as a tainted woman. Right. Also, um, James, her husband, took up and left one day. Just left. <laughs> just like. He just left no, the nobody, whole family just and went to another island, but just like gone. didn't leave his card. So um, he made a new home in a new Caribbean island. And coincidentally, James never appears on tax records in St. Croix. And that implies he went there with the intention of leaving them there. Ooh, <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fortunately, Rachel had inherited money, like we said. And before James left, she'd already established herself as the breadwinner of the family. She was 36, by the way, and gorgeous at this time. Coming to St. Croix, Hamilton loves to read and he's filling his time with books. Eventually, Rachel comes down with an unspecified disease. She's made to endure bloodletting and enemas. Eventually, Hamilton also contracts this unspecified disease. While convalescing, him and his mother have to share a bed. They lay side by side in a feverish state, oozing liquids and gases from their body. Ugh, so Delirious. Mm. Hamilton's mother, Rachel, dies next to him. Ted's father split full of it, debt ridden Two years later see Alex and his mother bedridden Half dead, sitting in their own sick The scent thick And Alex got better but his mother went quick In two years he's had to suffer his father's disappearance and his mother's death Rachel's entire estate, the estate she inherited from her family Is taken from her illegitimate children and given to her first husband and the son she had with him Peter Levian. Yeah, I think it's Levian. Anyway, not to be confused with that Peter Levian, Peter Litton, I think is his name, is Hamilton's cousin. And he is in charge of the care of Hamilton and his brother now that Hamilton's mom is dead. Peter Litton, I think that's his name, commits it, it suicide. Is. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The cousin, he, he takes his own life by either stabbing or shooting himself to death. He may have stabbed himself to death. Yeah, In his please. will, he left no provisions for Hamilton and Hamilton's brother, James. The two boys seem to be alone in the world. And so this orphan child, this lost boy becomes the founding father of a nation he had yet to even see. We cannot forget that. It's incredible. Yeah. Eventually, he becomes a clerk. Alexander does for New York traders. Um, and it was the first of countless times in Hamilton's life where his superior intelligence was spotted and rewarded by much older, well-positioned men. Alexander was also around this time whisked away to the home of a wealthy planter by the name of Stevens. And Stevens had a son. Him and Hamilton were only one year apart. And they looked so much alike that strangers in the street would be like, stop cold. They would just stop in their tracks when they saw him like, oh, you 
bro- y'all twins? He's like, no, he's not even, you know, we're not we're even not family, just friends. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll tell you something. Okay. The scuttlebutt, <laughs> the scuttlebutt Word became. on the street. The word on the street became that Alexander was indeed the illegitimate son of Stevens and not Hamilton. And this could partially explain Hamilton's abdication from his family and also um, may explain why Alexander Hamilton formed a closer bond with Edward Stevens closer than he did with his own brother. Um, Anyway, as a clerk for a very successful trading company, Hamilton learns how to write clearly with beautiful penmanship. And he learns a business sense that followed him for the rest of his life. Um, But he felt demeaned in this like lowly station. And he wrote a letter um, to his lookalike, Edward Stevens, who was in New York at the time in college. And within the letter, he expresses his desire to rise and station without sacrificing his integrity. He closes that letter with the statement, I wish there was a war. Mm. The trade company also dealt with the trafficking of human beings, potential customers. So first of all, once the slaves arrived, they would drag out whoever was still living because a lot of them had died in the passage. They would oil their bodies so that they would shave them and oil them so that their muscles glistened. And then potential customers would show up to the blocks with branding irons waiting to mark their new property. Okay. Again, disgusting. Imagine, exactly. Imagine being covered in oil and then burned with a hot iron after you've survived this passage where, you know, you've, you could have suffocated or died for n- numerous other reasons. Right. Um, so this hierarchical world with slave owners and there were more slave owners on the island than I'm sorry, more slaves on the island than slaves owner owners. I think like one, it was in, one to four. Yeah. One is, to four. Okay. Thank you. So for four slaves, you had one slave master. And so there were always the, the dread of uprisings. So this atmosphere formed in Hamilton, not only an abolitionist spirit, but one that constantly feared anarchy and disorder. He was mostly self-taught, by the way, and grabbed every spare moment to read, even into his late teens and throughout his life. By being a self-starter by 14, they placed him in charge of a trading charter. And every day while slaves were being slaughtered and carted away, across the waves he struggled and kept his guard up. Inside he was longing for something to be a part of. The brother was ready to beg, steal, borrow, or barter. He began publishing poetry in a local paper. The poetry showed his obsession with both angelic and promiscuous women. Also, save that. It comes up again. Um, One of the worst hurricanes in history at the time tears through St. Croix around this time. After hearing a sermon from clergyman by the name of Knox, who was a Hamilton's friend, Hamilton went home and wrote his father, who he hadn't seen in about six years, but still, you know, spoke with in letters. And explained to him the devastation left by the hurricane. I think the waves were like 15 feet high. Um, but he wrote this in like poetic prose. And when Knox saw the letter, he urged Hamilton to publish it in the biggest paper at that time. His literacy and verbal prowess stunned readers. Hamilton didn't know it, but he had just written his way out of poverty. This article generated such a sensation that even the island's governor inquired about the writer's identity, like who wrote this? And then a fund was taken up by local businessmen who themselves had been devastated by the hurricane. They still put their money together to send Hamilton to the Americas for an education. Then a hurricane came 
devastation reigned on man Saw his future drip, dripping down the train Put a pencil to his temple, connected it to his brain And he wrote his first refrain, a testament to his pain Well the word got around, they said this kid is insane man Took up a collection just to send him to the mainland a chief donator was likely Knox, the clergyman. Other contributors, no doubt, were Hamilton's bosses, former employers, and Stevens, who was probably his daddy. In October of 1772, Hamilton boarded a ship and sails to America for his future. By the way, um, the main benefactor of this fund was likely his cousin, Anne. Um, she had fled from her vengeful first husband similar to Rachel and Hamilton's grandma and lived in New York. But she arranged before she left for Hamilton to collect like the principal from her father's estate to keep him afloat. Finally, and even, someone looking after him. Someone is looking after this child finally, at least financially. And even in the end of his life, he asked his wife, Eliza, to give something to Anne. He always felt a huge debt to her. To do for someone less astute, he would have been dead and destitute without a cent or restitution. Started working, working for his late mother's landlord, trading sugar cane and rum and all the things he can't afford. Standing for every book he can get his hands on, planning for the future. See him now as he stands on the bow of a ship, heading for a new land. In New York, you can be a new man. In New York, you can just do noted that his misfortunes didn't end because his ship caught fire while headed for Boston and the crew had to put it out with seawater. <laughs> He's got like a very unfortunate life, okay? Yes, yes. <laughs> when he steps on American soil, he starts cramming courses in math, Latin, and other disciplines in order to qu qualify for college. He really wants to go to um, the University of New Jersey. Anyway, we call it Princeton now. <laughs> and that's where he wants to be because that's where anyone who's anyone has gone, he feels like. Um, but you got to like know Greek and stuff to go to Princeton. So he's cramming and he is so, like we said, amiable. You know, he cute. OK, <laughs> Hamilton is like really good looking. He knows how to carry himself. He speaks well. And so the privileged patrician class are befriending him and he's making his way into these tight circles. He was a very good quick study. He tells Dr. Witherspoon, who is a um, very prestigious professor, that he wants to enter Princeton in advance with as much speed as his exertions would enable him to do so. An unusual proposition. He was denied reluctantly by the professor because the professor was like, any school you attend is very fortunate to have you. Unfortunately, we can't bend the rules for you. And a precedent had probably been set with Aaron Burr, who hey. tried to enter college when he was 11 years old. Can you believe that? <laughs> 11? 11. These people were driven. Uh -huh. So um, in a compromise, uh, Princeton was like, look, we'll take you as a sophomore, okay? Because now you have like a mustache at least. <laughs> and so, and Hamilton actually may have heard of this from Burr himself. And he was like, well, I want to do that too. But anyway, Hamilton attends King's College. He was likely around 19 when he attended college which is old by anyone's standards and so he may have lied on his uh you know he lied about his age and said he was like 15 which was the average age for undergrads um and lastly after the sons of liberty dumped tea in the water that's the boston tea party hamilton really his thinking really changed and he began championing a boycott of all british goods and endorsed unity among the colonies once he acquired a place in American liberty, the rest was history. So that's it. That's my deep dive into the first few chapters. Of course, a lot of those points are brought out at least a little bit in the song. But, 
you know, if you didn't read the book, you know, there's some backstory. All right, we got another one. In the song, Alexander Hamilton. Now this is the first song of the show. How many things does Alexander say he has yet to do? How many things has he not done yet? The answer is coming up. So now, if you don't mind, let's talk briefly about some themes in the musical and um, some things that like really stuck out to us. Um, I'll go first. Yes, please. (laughs) Okay. So one big theme is death and time. Oh, that's like huge. That's huge. It's like death was chasing him. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he died in a bed. His mom died in a bed next to him. Everywhere he went, there was death. His cousin committed suicide. mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, I mean, like, you're the only one left to take care of me. You're going to commit suicide. I mean, this is just huge. It's just issues all around with this. So it's like, and And the slaves on the island were dying in record numbers. Yeah. So he saw death all the time growing up. He was literally surrounded by death. And, and so he has this time thing, this, he's Mm -hmm. in a time crunch and this, he's got this eagerness to, um, to accomplish so many things before by a deadline, yes. by like a deadline he keeps in his mind. Yeah. And that is only in his mind. It's only in his mm-hmm. mind. No one's put this on him, but he accomplished so much even for before the time that he actually died, his untimely death, he still accomplished so much. So that, I guess that inner clock was really working for the, to his benefit. And um, in line with his death, as you mentioned, Spoiler alert, Aaron Burr shoots him and he dies in a duel. But Hamilton shot wide. He shot the branch like above Aaron's head, like way above the tree. Um, so it seems now he it is said that he was wearing glasses during the duel. And he had told friends and confidants that he was not going to try to shoot Aaron. He was going to shoot in the sky, which he did. Mm-hmm. But he never told Aaron that. And I feel like. In a way, he was exhausted from fearing death for so long. What's the line? I imagine death so much. It feels more like a memory. Yep. Yep. yep, yep. That oh, maybe he was tired of living. Mm-hmm. That's what right? I was thinking. I, um, when I listened to the uh, musical last week, I, that's exactly what I came to. And I hadn't thought about that before, but I was like, he was just tired. He was tired. Right. Especially the way that Aaron Burr kind of talks about now. No, he had this on. He He's an expert shot. I'm not an expert shot, but, you know, I'm just going to try to keep myself alive. So, yeah, I, well, I really got also, that I'm going to practice a few weeks before the duel <laughs> so I can make sure I'm like great that mm-hmm. day. Right. So Aaron did practice like, yeah. But he knew he wasn't a good shot. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. so what were you going to say? I'm sorry. I mean, his son had just died in a duel also, not just died, but, you know, he carried a lot of guilt from that. And yeah, yeah, I think he was just done. Um, Another theme I was thinking of is this idea of like mm, patrician and pure women versus promiscuous women. This is also Mm. a theme. I saw that. What did you think about that? So I I remember that um, there's a section in the book where it talks about kind of implies that he 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 did have some some relationships before he actually married his wife. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, that was a big thing. And then um, the idea that um, the woman that he has this affair with in the song, we say, I don't even want you. Yeah. Right. But this is a pastime for me. (laughs) Absolutely. So that, that was, and about her, it does seem 
like from what we know that maybe this was a plot with her and her husband. It does like, seem trap like up him. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that. It, it seems like it, but I don't think it was. I think it was uh, her husband's plot. Well, she agreed to it and they later separated. I don't know if they divorced, but she wasn't with her husband right. long after this. And she like went on and kept living and was like, uh-huh. Yep. That was me that, you know, I'm in the song. No, it wasn't no song, but it was the, um, and did he that. did write in the paper. He did confess to an adulterous affair in the paper and named names. But yeah, that is a, you can really see the difference, you know, when, it, what are the sister's name? The, um, Eliza and, um, Angelica. Name? Yeah. What's her last name? Oh, Skylar. The Skylar sisters. Yes. They're, they're the pure ones, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, then the, but that's, that's a thing then. Cause men were expected to go, sow your seeds right and then come back but i'm talking about more like during his like marriage he still saw that separation between like i don't know i think that was just still an issue for him i think he was always obsessed with that because his mother had been called um a whore throughout his life yeah and he no doubt first of all she seemed brilliant and he probably saw her as a very honorable woman so that contrast i don't think ever gelled right in his mind and also the power of the written word because he read a lot he wrote a lot and yeah because he could write that was the only that was his way out out of poverty it was was absolutely his way out and anytime he wrote something it was brilliant piece and where did he get the refinement of that when he was unnevis when he was a clerk yeah yeah Yeah. so that was um his brilliance that that came through his skill with the quill. But I mean, he read a lot. This is not a college educated man. This is not even a um like he didn't even go to grammar school. <laughs> he read a lot. Yeah. And he it's noteworthy that on the island of St. Croix at that time, it's not like it was filled with scholars um, the island. Right. So he was singling himself out. No doubt he wasn't very popular um, because he loved to read so much. If he thought the people around him seemed simple, he really escaped in his books because he had a pride issue. Um, oh, sure. And he could have looked down on, <laughs> on the people around him. That question again. In Alexander Hamilton, the first song of the show, how many things does Alexander say he has not done yet? A million. There's a million things he hasn't done. But just you wait. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite song from Hamilton? Um, I think it's George Washington's song. So right hand man. <laughs> you got a favorite line from that song? The pride of Mount Vernon. Here comes the general Washington. We are outgunned, outmanned, outnumbered, outplanned. You gotta make an all outstand. Hey yo, I'm gonna need a right hand man. Can I be real a second for just a millisecond? Oh, <laughs> I love when he says, I mean, it's not like a whole line, but he says, we are gunned, outmanned, outnumbered, outplanned. Yes, I love that. The way it's, um, the way it's His spit out. Yes, I love that. His cadence. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was that's <laughs> my absolute favorite. I feel that when it comes through. Yeah. Yeah, because you don't really have like a bombastic song before then. It's more like laying the groundwork for the story. And then this is like very bass heavy, mm-hmm. beat driven. Yeah, it feels good in the body. Yeah. Um, I really love what's that one where he's like, mm, love doesn't discriminate. Uh, between the sinners and the saints. Wait for it. Uh, is it wait for it? 
Love doesn't discriminate between sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes and it takes and we keep loving anyway. We laugh and we cry and we break and we make our mistakes. So if there's a reason I'm by her side and so many have tried, then I'm willing to wait for it. I'm willing to wait for it. Wait for it. Wait okay, for yes, wait for it. And on the soundtrack, like if you listen to the soundtrack, um, Leslie Odom Jr., is the one that performs it and he his take is just beautiful I love it um, I think my favorite line from that song is that uh, death doesn't discriminate between sinners and saints it takes and it takes and it takes yes I second that as a favorite in that piece there and we can't forget the King's uh, song <laughs> which is a beautiful break from like the hip hop <laughs> on purpose yeah. of course mm-hmm. it's supposed to be the absolute contrast to everything that's going on it's this old way You'll be back. That one. You'll be back. Yeah. yeah there we go. <laughs> oh. And there's like a reprise later. It's pretty good too. <laughs> what do you I will John kill Adams. your friends and family. Oh, I will kill your friends and family. Mm-hmm. To remind you of my love. Yeah. I will kill your friends and family to remind you of my love. And then Dear Theotosha, I really love that song that Aaron Burr has his daughter finally with the woman he's married, who used to be married to the British general. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, so. And um, in history, he like took very good care of that baby girl. I don't know how long she lived, but he raised her to be very educated and... um self-sufficient like i actually thought that his daughter and um hamilton's son would get together because they were yeah, right? Friends, in a, right? In a, <laughs> on a television sitcom based on the musical <laughs> yeah they're gonna they're not gonna work it out they're gonna be like the capulets and the montagues exactly. but their children <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah their children are gonna get together and form the second generation mm-hmm. anyway that's not what like, happened <laughs> right not at all i do like the uh the dual songs um oh yeah me too um the dual commandments. Yeah. Um, you know, toward the end, I feel like Eliza really takes her place. Really like the last song I'm boohooing over Eliza. Oh, are you and really? all the work she went to. Yes, yes. The orphanage, her dedication to him, mm-hmm. um, her just like determination that this his story be made known. Even though like she had every reason to completely abandon this man. She had her own money. He loved her, but he was not faithful. And still, after he died, I mean, after he, after because of him, her son died and she forgave him. She did. And then because he still didn't learn his lesson and wanted to duel, (laughs) he died. She still loved him. And all of that, I mean, that end song. Let me tell you what I wish I'd known when I was young and dreamed of glory. You have no control who lives, who dies, who tells your story. President Jefferson. Yeah, so beautiful. I'm not in love line. with the end song, but I get I, so tell the me. information in there that she shares. Yeah. I think that's great. I like hearing about it, but I'm just So what like, don't you like about it? Just the song itself? Yeah, I'm just not it's moved not by thing. it. Mm-mm. No. You're not moved by it. You robot. <laughs> I'm not I'm not moved by it. It's a very nice song. It's a very nice song. It says what it needs to say. I'm just not moved, okay? I'm just not. But That's I do fair. like the power that Lafayette had. I mean, he was great. He's a great military great. And he comes through. You know, he through. inspired 
Yeah, he inspired me not to take the accents we do on this show too seriously. Because <laughs> in the music on the soundtrack, <laughs> it's the brother from Blackish, yep. also from the Zeal, Zeal commercials. And he is great. Uh, but, you know, the accent is supposed to be like a little over the top, a little comedy. And I think it's, it's great. He won an award for that. I'm positive he Good. did. Good. Good. He did a great job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Anything else before we go? Um, wait by the TV until Hamilton's ready. I mean, we're going to sit desperately, desperately. So what is the song <laughs> that you like least? Oh, easily. It's this Ja Rule Ashanti song. Um, what is it? Oh, oh, it, oh. Helpless? You don't like Helpless? I don't need it. I don't want it. Get it out of here. No. Helpless. I don't like the message. I don't like anything about it. Okay, okay. Um, I. What about you? So, again, my least favorite is um, Eliza's song at the end. Um, oh, you crazy. <laughs> just thinking about that song made me cry. I just think about it. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. I just appreciate the information that she shared. only have time. And when my time is up, have I done enough? Will they tell your story? Oh, can I show you what I'm proudest of? I established the first private orphanage in New York City. The I helped raise hundreds of children. I get to see them growing up. You know, it's just in there. It's kind of like the, the company is singing. And she yeah. just has a part. And they got yes. pieces in Yeah, you're right. There's just so many great songs on this. Um, oh, Stay Alive is brilliant. Yes. It's, yeah. So many great songs. Well, I mean, he starts the show, just the music. I, I mean, that's why I'm like, he really wrote this music too. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. Yep. Yeah. It, it's great work. It is a great piece of work. I think I'm going to go listen to it. Um, <laughs> Me too. I mean, are we doing Thank something you for, else? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in between reading this uh, long, long, long book you got me reading. Yeah. Um, I'm going to definitely watch Hamilton this weekend. Yeah, I'm all for it. And we're not having a watch party. We're just going to talk about it because I don't need all that interrupting and whatnot. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Complete silence and snack. Yes. Twizzlers and popcorn, here we come. Like we is at the movies. This is going to be it. Can't wait for it. Can't wait. The next time you join us, we will be talking about Anna Karenina. Anna Karenina. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We're looking forward to that. want to thank you. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, did you? Ah, we'll talk about it next week. Okay. Thank you for listening to Lit Society. We'll see you next week, Thursday. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Anaria and Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcasts, along with a comment about why you absolutely love you. Wait, why you absolutely love us? Why you absolutely love us? Because we love you too. If you've enjoyed what you heard today, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit us at Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Thank you to Kylie Reed for shouting out our show on her Instagram. Wasn't that the best? this beautiful email I, I just mind blown thank you Kylie you completely changed the trajectory of our show uh, we got like six
600% more listeners since then. Uh, so welcome to all the new listeners, too. This isn't usually how our show goes. You know, this is a special edition, but feel free to dig through those uh, archives. Okay. And let us know what you think. Can you repeat mind blown? I, my mind is still mind on you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Guys. Picking up pieces. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you can get show notes at uh, LitSocietyPod.com, this month's book list, and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. And until next time, folks, read something.